it's the True Achievements and True Trophies Gamescom special podcast, day two. Um, hello, we are not in Cologne anymore, we are back. We didn't have time to record this when we were out there. We did have one attempt on Friday in Cologne Airport to record, uh, which was a terrible failure, mainly thanks to uh, the continual bum ba dum ba dum dum uh, noise, which anyone that has been to Cologne Airport will be well aware of. Um, and various announcements over the tannoy, and also an annoying child playing in a model plane, a large model plane to our left, which had the most squeaky steering wheel ever. Uh, we might upload uh, a couple of minutes of that to the end of this podcast, as uh, you can so you can hear our frustration. We we're also incredibly hungover on that day due to the World of Tanks party the night before, so it wasn't the most inspiring podcast anyway. Uh, but we didn't get a chance to finish it because they called our flight halfway through. So. These are our belated thoughts on Thursday of Gamescom last week. Um, so the Thursday is no longer the trade day, which means that members of the public are allowed in, um, as well as the press. Um, the only benefit to the press is that they get to get in the show an hour before the members of the public are let in, which is great for us because it means that if there's a game that we realised we missed that we really wanted to see that is on the show floor... Um, then we have an hour to, to get in there and, and have a look at it. Um, so Jack and I decided to head for Rainbow Six Siege. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of the Rainbow Six series up to this point. Very much looking forward to Siege. Um, so we got down on the show floor before the carnage started at 10 um, and got in the queue and we got in there and there were basically two sets of queues. There was an Xbox and a PC one. Didn't seem like the Xbox one was on at that time in the morning, so we all were funneled into the PC area. Fortunately for me, uh, having never played uh, keyboard FPS before in my life, there was an Xbox controller plugged into my PC, so I just picked that up and and went with that one. Um, Jack, tell us about the game. Um, So in the game we played, it was a 5v5 team event. It was a small map. It was one team attacking, one team defending. You had a little bit of time at the start of the round to barricade doorways and prepare yourself if you were defending. And if you were attacking, you had some time to seek out the objective. Yeah, you had um, a little remote-controlled like e- camera. Yeah, it was a little bit weird, wasn't it? Very strange, yeah. yeah. It reminded me of... Oh, there was another game where you could do stuff like this. In fact, it might have been the last Rainbow Six, in fact. Where you had remote, <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. That would make total sense. Anyway, you had this camera on a little remote control thing, and you could you could send it into the building. The map's tiny, so um, it's just basically one building with multiple floors, and you could all all five of you could send in independent uh, little um, remote control cameras that were even. I don't know why this is sort of a weird floor in the game. Uh, they were able to get under the barricaded doors and windows so they, they all the barricades that the defending team put on had about a six inch gap at the bottom which is a slight floor they allowed you to identify you had to find the objective um, which was something like a fuel thing or a radioactive yeah. tub just, it was just some random thing yeah. that you had to find um, and you had a minute to do that and there didn't seem real, really to be much benefit in that section at all. It gave you a quick heads up as to where the, the baddies might be or where your enemies might be. Baddies. They're the baddies. <laughs> uh, them bad guys. Um, so yeah, so that was a bit of a waste of a minute. Um, and you could uh, the, the defending team could shoot the cameras, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah, they could destroy the cameras so they could kind of impede your searching process. 
I never noticed um, any of those when I was defending, but there we go. And then that bit finished, and then they, then you assault the room. Oh, mm-hmm. first of all, you can choose your class. Yep. So we had a bit of a discussion about this, but I thought there were five fixed classes, and you had to choose one of them. And each member and and your team had to be made up of five unique classes, mm-hmm. purely because when the second game I had, there was only one class that I could select, which made me assume that I was the last person choosing it, and I just had to make up the numbers. Um, however, Jack wasn't sure that was true, so don't say that that as uh, gospel. Yeah, I was. Um, I picked the Rainbow Six class each time, which I just presumed was the best because. It was well, it's, yeah, the crazy in the name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, but, I think I chose. So they all the classes have different like speeds and different yeah, attributes. So the speed comes down to the armor level. You've got the heavy armor. You move a lot mm. slower, but you've just got a lot more protection. Um, medium armor, it's average, average, so so. Yeah. And light armor, you sprint around the map. Like. That also affected my weapon. So the the default loadouts, I didn't realize you could customize the loadout, but my default loadout when I chose the the heavily armored guy who had a, actually carried a shield, he could only carry a pistol as well. So he's a bit handicapped by his weapons. He was um, kind of good as a meat shield for the other people, though, wasn't he? Well, you say that. <laughs> <laughs> the minute I walked in the room, I got straight in the head. So, the shield did nothing for me. Um, it was over quite quickly, and um, it was. It seemed to be that the guys that were used to playing PC shooters were crouched. Obviously, when you die, it goes to like a kill cam, and you can see everybody else mm-hmm. in your team and whoever's left. Uh, but the guys that seemed to survive the most were crouched in the corner on their bellies, just sort of sniping. Um, I found something interesting. The kill cams, um, it... I don't think they were the normal kill cams because you seem to have um, cameras in the map that you switch yeah. between. Yeah, it was like CCTV. So, yeah, it was like almost. CCTV rather than looking directly over a player's shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it was that's a bit true. different. Um, so it's 5v5, but basically the team that had the last man standing won. So actually the the objective wasn't even used at all, was it? You didn't have to do anything with the objective. I presume once you've killed everybody you can just walk in and pick it up, so that's the oh, right, point, okay. isn't it? I don't remember but... seeing that. Um, we weren't very good as you might have guessed from what we're saying, but um, the guys we were playing with were all Germans and they were speaking in German, so I think the game has a lot of um, potential if you are in a squad of maybe friends or mm-hmm. at least people that speak a common language would help, because I think you need to coordinate yourselves uh, reasonably carefully, especially yeah. because you've got a couple of heavy guys that have got the shields and they really need to be at the front. But because they're slower, everyone else has to wait for them. So um, I didn't particularly think it was amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm hoping this is just a sort of little teaser of the multiplayer and um, I'm hoping that there's a massive single player campaign that will still be brilliant as the other Rainbow Sixes have, but I, I doubt I'll be playing too much of the Siege mode. Cool. So after that, we went. Uh, basically, the the hordes, the hundred thousand people, descended on Gamescom, and at that point, we uh, ran away to the business area where we could get into with our passes, but um, where the general public are not allowed. So we'd booked up a ton of um, developer sessions, behind the scenes uh, stuff, where you're basically in a small office with a developer, maybe three or four uh, journalists, and um, normally two or three guys from from the game, and it, it varies depending on on the game, but you can quite often play get proper hands on or sometimes it's a developer uh, live playthrough in front of you and you can ask questions and stuff um, Matt went to see Fallout 4 which unfortunately didn't get to play the game no yeah um, it was uh, it was like a live gameplay stream apparently or demo 
Um, I think it was pre-recorded, but I can't say for sure, just because the way everything was cut together. But um, it was just in a dark room with a few other people. It's not something I'm usually accustomed to. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looked really good. Uh, if you enjoyed Fallout 3, I mean, I'm sure, as you've seen from plenty of the trailers that have been released already, it looks very, very faithful to that. And uh, uh, the only thing I noticed that was seemed quite different was the uh, the perks, the perk system. In Fallout 3, a certain perks were linked to your special stats, but it seems like there are, there's a much more linear progression path with each one now. So you can, if you've got level 10 strength, then you can unlock the level 10 strength perk straight away, like when you get to a certain level. Um, Interesting. Yeah, whereas before I think it was mainly tied to levels, and the, those other ones came into play at points. Um, I might be wrong, though. Mm. We should probably mention that um, Cologne as a whole was mad for Fallout 4. The advertising already, uh, ha- what is it, when November it comes out, isn't it? So mm, yeah. three, four months <clears throat> before release. The amount of billboards, taxis we saw with stuff on, um, all for Fallout 4. It was just mad. Uh, they're obviously going massive for it over there. Um, so I found, I found that interesting considering how far we are still away from release. Um and while Matt was playing for or watching Fallout, uh, Jack went to see Battleborn. Yeah, so uh, Battleborn, it's a new game uh, by 2K. Uh, it's coming out in February next year, and it was first described as an FPS MOBA. And I'm not really a fan of uh, massive online battle arenas, so it put me off initially, but um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, so the developer session itself, we had uh, about a 30-minute presentation or so, and um, learn a lot of stuff about the game, kind of told the uh, where it spawned from. So they wanted a game that was kind of a mix of Borderlands and Diablo, mm. and this um, fills that slot. It's the same developers, isn't it? As yeah, it's the same developers as Borderlands. Um, but it takes place around the last star at the end of the universe, and obviously loads of different life forms gathering around, so that unlocks kind of the ability for them to just add any and every character they can in. Which um, is shown by the 25 playable characters it's going to have at launch, <laughs> which is quite insane. That's an awful lot of characters. Um, so, the story mode in it's a five person co op campaign. Uh, there are three competitive modes with up to 10 players each, and they unveiled four new characters to us um, while we were there. And it just looked good overall. So, after the uh, presentation went through and actually played the game, um, it Stylistically, it looks very much like Borderlands. Yeah, I um, saw a trailer. It does look very like Borderlands, which is isn't a bad thing because Borderlands is quite a pretty game. But this is kind of a bit of a step up from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it played very much like Borderlands as well, which again isn't a bad thing. But it was a lot more fast paced, and the level yeah. the level system in it um, you leveled a lot more quickly. Um, and there was a helix skill tree. In it, so once you leveled up, rather than having kind of three or four different things to choose between, it was just one or two. And you held down on the D-pad, and it was either left trigger or right trigger. Oh right, okay. And so super quick, nice so and simple. Yeah. kept you in the action. That's quite good. It was uh, really good. So, so that's coming out in Feb. Yeah, February. And they've got magic in this as well, haven't they? Which they didn't have in um, in Borderlands. I know there's spells and stuff as well as shooting. Um, not too sure. I didn't showcase any of that. I yeah, I saw a trailer where there was definitely some um, some magic stuff going on. 
Um, cool. So that was that was a bit of a, a surprise because none of us knew much about that, but yeah. um, it sounds very good. I think it's definitely on the pre-order list. So excellent. Um, at that point, I went off to the EA business area, which was vast, um, but very chilled compared to their, their section on the show floor. And in fact, above the bar, they had uh, big TVs with um, live camera feeds of the madness that was going on in the show floor, uh, which was really cool. So you could sit there and have a nice nice little free drink while you waited for your session uh, and, st- and stare at the people running around like lunatics on the show floor, <laughs> uh, which was great. Uh, I got to see Star Wars Battlefront, and I thought it might be the same demo that we played the previous day with the split-screen first person, but it was completely different. It was a mode I didn't even know existed until I played it, um, which is a space battle between X-Wings and TIE Fighters. And there was 20 of us in the room um, playing this demo, 10 on each side. Um, So you've got 10 X-Wings, 10 TIE Fighters, and then... Additionally, another 10 AI ships on each side. So actually, in total, 40 ships flying around. Um, The controls took a bit of getting used to, as anyone that's played a space exploration game or a a flying game will will know. Um, Eventually, I got used to them, but my controls were set to be inverted when I I started playing, so someone had previously (laughs) inverted them. So the very first thing I did was to uh, fly directly into the planet below and smash and die. Um... But you respawn almost in- immediately, so that's not an issue. Uh, the round is made up of um, basically a point system, so each side is the first to 200 points. You get one point for shooting down an AI ship and three for shooting down a human ship. But there's also additional objectives that pop up randomly during the round. Um, so like convoy ships can appear, um, and one side has to destroy it and the other side has to uh, defend it, and you get a minute to destroy it, and if you... If you succeed in destroying it, you get 20 points, and if you don't, the uh, other side gets 20 points. So actually, when it, while all that's happening, 200 points sounds like a lot, but actually it only took about five minutes for each round. Um, I found it quite difficult to kill the human ships. I was primarily using my standard phasers, which sound amazing. Like Obviously, just at the, the moment you hear the music and the, the phaser noise, it, you just know you're in the Star Wars game. It gives you a little tingle down your spine. Um the phasers have like a cool off period so you can't like just hold your finger on the trigger uh, constantly which is a shame because that's about the only chance I had to hit anything um, the secondary weapon is a rockets but they seem to fire only directly in front of you which isn't much use unless you're um, attacking one of the convoy ships which move in a straight line and very slowly so that was the end time. I, I imagine there's probably a way to target those rockets but I hadn't figured it out by the time I finished um, you also get a shield which you can use on that, which was on L1, uh, but again that has a cooldown period too. But there are bonuses, pickups that you can find, which are um, on the surface of the planet. So you have to sort of fly down and then arc your flight path to sort of pick up the power up before you hit the planet, which is actually quite tricky, especially as you're flying directly towards the planet. You sort of lose awareness of which direction you're going in because you don't have the sky to to help you so uh, I crashed loads trying to do that but the reason I was trying so hard was there is a um, a reasonably rare pickup which allows you to f- transport from your ship into the Millennium Falcon and fly that around and use that uh, which was obviously going to be amazing but it didn't happen to me some of the other pickups included um, power-ups and uh, one of which completely wiped out your cooldown periods 
so you could just then immediately start firing and shielding and using rockets again um it was incredibly good fun i have to say that i it was the most fun i had throughout the whole of gamescom uh playing a game <laughs> um it was amazing and a real surprise for me because as i said i didn't know that mode even existed uh, but yeah it just made me want the game even more absolutely fantastic and then I went to have a look at Need for Speed, um, which doesn't have a subtitle for the first time in years. And the reason it doesn't have a subtitle, or the, the story behind that, is that this is a, a combination of all the best parts of all the other games. So it's their definitive Need for Speed. They've, um, they took a year off last year and they went back and looked at all their other games. And, and they tried to find the games that they, the parts of the games that they found were, were the, you know, the most enjoyable or the, or the, the fans liked the most. And tried to combine all that into one cohesive game. Um, it's quite different. It's got a new system of icons, which basically means they've taken five people from real life who are famous for various things in the car industry. So they've got racers, um, they've got modifiers, uh, they've got like uh, drifters, and they've got guys who are slightly um, who race slightly illegally shall we say um, and all of these guys have got uh, famous people or icons heading heading the story so there's Ken Block which is her, who's a Jim Connor racer he's the style guy uh, Magnus Walker is the who's a massive Porsche enthusiast is the speed guy etc etc um, and all of those different icons have different plot lines that run through the game and you can choose to do missions for any one of those guys at any time or so you could stick to the same path if you like really enjoy doing the modding or the drifting stuff you can just stay on that narrative path or you can switch and change and do any of the other stuff as well so the the, the narrative depends on what sort of race type you'll be in um, the map is massive they showed us the map um, there are six different districts and quite a big feature in this game is that cops will come after you so if you run a light or you're speeding and a cop sees you doing that, then he'll immediately issue you with a fine um, and start chasing you. So you can either stop immediately and pay the fine, it'll be like 50 bucks or something at that point, or you can try and outrun the cop and they'll obviously bring in more backup and stuff and your fine gradually increases as you're driving away and trying to evade them. Um, which could, I would imagine that could be a bit annoying if you're just trying to get off to a new mission and obviously you're not going to be driving around at 30 um, <laughs> everywhere on the map so there are also some of those six districts they have like basically no cop zones because there's no people living there um, so you can if you just want to go and muck around and drive really fast you can go over to the hills where there's no cops um, apart from that the big the other big thing apart from the narrative was the customization of the cars they showed us some real neat customization where um, it took a basic BMW um, and then added like a body kit, wheel rims, um, a spoiler, a, a vinyl things to the to bonnet and stuff. Just loads and loads of customization. And then it turned out that basically the the story was that they'd been delivered a modified BMW for the show floor to go in front of their stand, um, and it was it had been modded to the hilt, like tons and tons of stuff. It looks amazing. I've got a picture of it. Um, and they found that they could actually recreate that modded car within their existing game customization. So that was part of the demo they showed us, uh, that they could actually almost identically recreate this car from scratch with the engine they'd already built, which was pretty sweet. Um, 
the world itself is like online, so your friends can jump in and play with you, just like sort of Burnout Paradise. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I wanted to get my hands on it and see what the handling like, because really, when you play um, racing games, that's all you really care about is how they handle. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to do that. Um, but I'm looking forward to playing it. I'll buy it anyway because it's a, a, an exciting racing game and it looks like it's got tons of content in there. So that was very cool. Um, Matt, you then went to the most exciting... This is what we were all looking forward to, honestly. We didn't stop talking about this. The Windows 10 dashboard. Oh, Richie should have been there. Oh, I wish I, I, wish I had the opportunity. Oh. So um, they had... Um, they had an Xbox One and a, a Windows 10 PC and a Surface Pro 3 set up in a room. Um, and they were just basically showing off the streaming and the uh, the Xbox functionality built into Windows 10. So uh, obviously uh, the streaming stuff was all lag-free. Uh, I got to play a bit of Sunset Overdrive on the Surface being streamed from the Xbox. But I guess you'd kind of expect that because it's on a private network. Mm. Um, but that's what it will be in, when people well, use it. Yeah, right? but when you've got like your mum watching Netflix and your little brother playing FIFA on something else, you know, it's True. not always yeah, optimised. You should have taken your mum to... <laughs> Excuse me, can I watch yeah. some? Not awkward. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, it was pretty slick from what I, I saw. They said that the uh, the streaming and stuff, the codex, like, it all adjusts itself or something the resolution based, yeah the, the resolution uh, based on your network performance so um, I'm sure that'll be useful to some people I don't know if it's something I'd really use it would be if your mum was streaming Netflix <laughs> you can still play you don't see buffering oh, yes okay <laughs> there you go um, the only other thing they really showed us was the the uh, Xbox One accessory adapters for Windows uh, so like the little USB sticks there was one for the 360 um, which had a wire and stuff but this one just looks more like a, a USB memory stick um, uh, the guy wasn't sure whether it supported up to uh, 8 peripherals or 4 I think the 360 one supported 4 controllers and 4 headsets mm. at the same time but um, he said uh, that's coming out later on in the year so I'm sure it will be clarified before then we should probably mention actually that there was a real focus on Windows 10 gaming at the show generally. There was an mm. awful lot of stuff that I just assumed was going to be on console, and they were like, "Actually, this is Windows 10 as well." It was, it was loads and loads and loads of the big games are coming out on both. Yeah, they were saying a lot about the um, the compatibility between the two, about uh, how uh, I think it's up to the developer whether you can choose to just play like Xbox games with just other people on the Xbox. Oh, what, cross-platform? Yeah, the cross-platform yeah. multiplayer. Because obviously some games, if you've got a keyboard and a mouse, you'll have an unfair yeah. advantage. Yeah. Whereas some people might not want to play with them. Other people I might. Think so so things like true. racing games should be fine. It's really first-person shooters, isn't it, where you think you've yeah. got a edge. Yeah. You can always map your control scheme on your controller to kind of take away that advantage but isn't it really the, 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 the speed advantage comes from flinging the mouse around quickly yeah. so it's yeah. turning around you can really it does, do much quicker one of the main advantages I've always seen is the uh, being able to aim and jump at the same time you don't have yeah. 
But obviously, you've got bumper jumper in a lot of games. To bumper jumper. <laughs> to fix that <laughs> issue. I want to play that game. Why yeah. wasn't that there? They also showed off some of the um, recording functionality on Windows 10. The DVR I, stuff. Yeah, like the DVR stuff. That looked pretty cool. I'm not sure if that's actually live with Windows 10 now, mm-hmm. but uh, from because I haven't used it, but from what I saw, it looked pretty good. You can save. Uh, he said uh, that certain. Windows 10 games would support, um, I think he said, uploading it to like where your Xbox Live clips are with like the up, the upload studio kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, also we'll be able to pull them in. Exactly. Nice. Um, then you got to go and see something that I wanted to go and see, but I was stuck in EA. That <laughs> <laughs> was fours and six. Yeah. So that was um, pretty good. Um, it's about five of us in a room with the uh, head producer for the game, Dan Greenewalt. And uh, he walked us through two main modes really in the game. It was the rain systems that we've added in and the night mode. Mm. Both of which are pretty huge really yeah. for this series. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of a leap forward but falls a needs I think. Yeah. It's been fizzling out a little bit. But um, the rain itself, it looked phenomenal. Um, he took us around the Nürburgring, so he was actually playing, we didn't get hands on in this demo. Um, but you could see puddles of water forming on the track, and the car, you were kind of getting splashed off the back of the car as it was driving, it was lowering your visibility. Um, wow. It just acted like Rainwood, um, using the first person view in the car, the cockpit view. Yeah, so that's interesting, isn't it? Because I always drive in, in cockpit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the steering wheel visible, but you know, the where it's like on the bonnet. So you could be at a real disadvantage if you use that view a lot, if they're only putting that rain effect on the windshield. It wasn't too... uh, It didn't obscure you too much, I don't think. Okay. The rain on the windshield. That would annoy me a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a simulation. Yeah, Yeah, but it's a simulation that hampers you only in a certain camera, isn't it? If if that's the case. You've just got to play properly in cockpit view, as you should. (laughs) I'm playing cockpit view. No, that's when it's worse. You You were talking about... Driving in boat view, which is the I can't stand being a superior way to play the game. Rubbish, rubbish. Um, but as with everything in Forza, the rain is a simulation. So he's telling us the detail they've gone to. They've actually gone out to the tracks. They've looked at where water does puddle up, and they've um, replicated that within the game engine. Mad. Um, there are 150 plus surface types, and they've looked at each surface type and how water forms on the surface and how it affects <laughs> the drivability of a car. That's going to be and insane. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. The effort they've gone to. Um, then the wait. night mode. So this was just a brief kind of overview because um, he did forget about this, I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> the night mode's a proper night mode. It's not just kind of like a... It's late in the evening mode, sunset mode, like in most games. Um so it's, it's dark. Yeah, it's dark, and you can see what's in view of your headlights, basically. You can see the taillights of the cars in front of you. Um, if you're playing on full simulation damage and you smash out your headlights, you're basically screwed. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> so then is, you can uh, just use the taillights, I guess. Yeah, you could just use the taillights, but, but you I need think to be close to someone difficult. else. And obviously, the moment you overtake them, then you're <laughs> screwed again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just got to overtake them on the last straight. Yeah, on the last corner. Blimey. <laughs> So then uh, he walked us through a little bit of a career mode as well. So the career mode, uh, this time it's a bit more linear. I don't think there's an event grid, he didn't say for sure, but um, 
with this career they've tried to focus on the tour of motorsports as a whole and um, you'll start one race and you'll kind of have an icon that introduces the sport to you like uh, if it's uh, the Australian V8s um, for example you'll have one of the iconic races from that come and talk you through the sport how it starts etc then you'll race through some races to do with that that's um, cool. that's a bit of a similar thing with yeah. for speed then um, and the career mode it's uh, 70 plus hours which yes. is pretty insane again but as standard Forza, standard um, that's not too bad actually compared to some courses yeah and um, it just looks good overall they've upped the uh, number of players in the race so it's 24 players now so 1080p 60 frames a second wow which is phenomenal again yeah uh, and uh, it talked slightly about the league mode in it which is a new online mode and it's um, kind of a little bit more hardcore than standard multiplayer it's set races at set times and it's racing against other people competitively which is quite cool that's quite cool yeah Yeah. so what if you can't make one of the races well, then you, you lose, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> right okay Fair enough. So anyway, I can't wait to get my hands on that. Is it out in September? I have a vague, uh, yeah, vague memory that it's September. out in September. Fantastic. Um, then I got my hands on Gears Ultimate Edition. Um, spoke to the guys there. They were really nice. I had my TA t-shirt on. They were really nice about the site, which is quite cool. Um, and they told us a lot about the game. So it's not just an upscale port of Gears 1. It's basically been rebuilt from the ground ground up. They've remade every single one of the 3,000 plus assets in the game. They've even redone all the motion capture for the cutscenes. They've re-recorded absolutely everything. And it looked amazing. You could notice the difference between um, Gears 1 and this quite quite comfortably. Uh, I think it's 60 frames a second in 1080p. I, I would be surprised if it wasn't. I'm sure they said that. Um, They've also adjusted the controls a bit, so it's much more fluid, getting in and out of cover, uh, all that stuff they've taken on, because obviously that cover system evolved throughout the Gears series, so it's more of a Gears 3 um, cover system, really slick, getting in and out. Uh, well, I got to play two different levels, one of which was a remake of one of the existing levels, but they've also added two hours of additional content that wasn't even in the first game, but I, to be honest, I didn't even know they were going to do that. So. It does make it worth playing, considering the price point and the fact that you get uh, Gears 1, 2, 3, judgment. and possibly Judgment as well, yeah, in backwards compatibility. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a big old bundle for, I think it's £30, or probably 40 bucks ish So it's seven quid a game. Yeah, I mean, I've already got... The thing is, most of those games have been given away with Games of Gold, but I already had all of them before that anyway. So there's no real game benefit to me but I did really enjoy it and it's mm -hmm. it's good to get your hands on Gears when you haven't played it for a while because it is is you know it's a chunky shooter it's got real weight to it um, the new level I played was much more action oriented than the first level that I played so there was just tons and tons of enemies which was good obviously it's co-op um, oh the other two new things um Apart from the backwards compatible thing, there's a there's a LAN mode in the game, so you can connect up to I think it was up to eight Xbox Ones um, on a LAN uh, without any internet connection. They just need to be connected internally on a, via a router, and um, you can play uh, multiplayer mode in that in that way, which is pretty awesome. So LAN parties will 
they disappeared for many years, but they could be coming back with Gears <laughs> Ultimate Edition. Um, and while I was in there, Jack got to look at the other big shooter on Microsoft stand, which was Halo 5. Yeah, so I um, had a session for Halo 5 Guardians, and this was a developer gameplay session only, so I didn't actually get hands-on with it. Um, it looks pretty cool again, though. Uh, the campaign itself, it follows two teams of Spartans. First is the blue team, they're led by Master Chief, and they go AWOL. So they send out a second team called the Fire Team, who's led by Spartan Lock. Ah, that's where Spartan Lock comes yeah, in. Yeah, it comes in. Um, but graphically, again, it looked phenomenal, um, just as you'd expect. Um, and again, I'd be surprised if they didn't specifically say it was 60 frames a second, 1080p, but I'd be surprised yeah. if it wasn't. It seems to be um, the way everything's going It's pretty much now. the norm now. Especially the first party stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's about, um, they said, a 16 hour campaign or so, and the uh, they've had a seamless drop in, drop out cooperative play, which is quite nice. Mm. So if That's you, optional, though, isn't it? Well, I presume it'd have to be optional because you'd have to know beforehand that you wanted to start the game in co-op mode yeah. but if you do start the game in a co-op mode it's um, dedicated, hosted on their dedicated servers rather than on your box yeah Yeah, rather than on your box which allows for the seamless drop in and drop out um, which is pretty cool I wonder if they I'm sure they will have a way to tailor that so that you can just invite just have people on your friends come in or yeah 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 definitely, definitely. Nice. I really like the sound of that sounds, awesome. sounds good though um I haven't played. Well, I didn't play Halo Four, but I think uh, that might change with Guardians. Mm. So definitely one to look out for. Did they give you any clues to how long the campaign is? Uh, about sixteen hours. Ooh. I think fairly hefty so, then. Yeah. Look, and there was one long. other thing, wasn't there? That uh, we got to play, which was Poncho. Poncho, yes. Um, it's a uh, it's uh, an indie game coming out on the Wii U PC. Uh, Vita and PS4, mm. I think. Uh, very similar aesthetically to Fez. So, ah, 2D, style. yeah, 2D pixelated artwork. Very, very pretty. If that's your kind of thing. Colorful. Yes, <laughs> lovely. And um, so it's a 2D side-scrolling, um, I guess, puzzle platformer, kind of like Fez, but it's uh, purely 2D, but you you move between layers so uh it's all about parallax really like you can go back and forwards as long as there's space for you on that plane for you oh, to okay. stand so um i guess it's kind of 3d in a way but um pseudo 3d pseudo 3d yeah but uh a lot of it's about timing like the, some of the platforms move between those planes as well and you have to jump and move with them and it's quite clever um there are a couple of bugs uh, while I was playing but uh, I think that's mainly because it was the Wii U version uh, the, the, the uh, <laughs> yeah uh, the, the, producer no the producer did say that the PS4 uh, version was a bit further along uh, in terms of all that any jazz. idea of release date? Uh, release date I think later on in the year this year? Uh, this year yeah oh, right, okay. before the end of the year good and that wraps up our Gamescom uh, we went to <laughs> we did have the option of going in on Friday but we went to the epic World of Tanks party that evening um, we did also have a World of Tanks um, developer yes. session or a PR session at least uh, but I have still got no idea what I can talk to you about that <laughs> that I can be allowed to reveal and what I can't so until I've got clarification on that let's just say uh, World of Warships is coming soon and, and looks good um, 
I'll have more on that when I when I can tell you what I'm allowed to say. Um, but the World of Tanks party was epic and uh, basically meant that we didn't go in on Friday <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, quick highlight of Gamescom, game of the show, Matt? Oh, uh, actually that Horizons. Ah, Horizon. I okay, so we didn't get to play that, what? but we did see a gameplay video of that and it did look great, well, I agree. Not, I don't know about game of the show, but definitely surprise of the show. Like, yeah. I had, It wasn't on my radar at all and I was really impressed with it. Fair enough, though, I think that's the best... Um, gauge for this anyway, really. Jack? Uh, probably Forza 6. Forza 6? Come yeah. on, Forza 6. Uh, I'm going to go with Star Wars um, Battlefront, which was amazing. Everything I played of it, I absolutely loved. But it was for the, mainly for the nostalgia feeling. But they're, they're solid. They're solid games as well. Um, and overall thoughts of Gamescom? Generally, it was bigger, it was bigger than ever before. Um, we, I think we did around 60,000 steps across the three days in total which gives you some idea of how much walking is involved in doing that I basically got back on Friday night ate a plate of vegetables went to bed slept for 12 hours and the next day I just had my feet up for the whole day because it did not hurt most of that walking wasn't just between bars as well there was no, no, like, we, between we, we, stands we, we, as well just in, in the Colmessa in Gamescom itself is, is, is huge it's kilometres after kilometre of Mm-hmm. of stands and corridors people and to push people through people to push through yeah quite <laughs> um, but it, it's a great place to go and if any of you do get the opportunity to go then do because Cologne's a fantastic city as well with lots to do but um, Gamescom itself is it will blow your mind mm. cool okay so um, we'll be back with a more regular podcast uh, towards the end of this month um, we haven't checked the release schedule or anything, but um, I'm sure there's some funky stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks that we can talk to you about then. Rare Replay. Oh, Rare Replay. I've already started playing it. Oh, I've already started playing it. My copy is on my desk. <laughs> yeah. So we're all going. <laughs> it's, in fact, it's a bit like going to Gamescom because you basically play a game for about 10 minutes and then you switch and you play another game Except for about 10 minutes. So you don't have to minutes. walk between them. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and you don't have to get drunk afterwards. Yeah, well, you can. You can. You sure can. So uh, this is uh, Rich, True Achievement, Jack, uh, Web Team UK, and Matt Doomful signing out, and we'll see you soon. Bye. 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 currently in Cologne Airport so please excuse any uh, bing 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 or announcements that you hear in the background um, not what we can do about that hi Jack hey how's it going good so um, let's quickly run through what we did yesterday first things first we managed to get into Gamescom before the public are allowed in uh, yesterday so yesterday is no longer a trade day but people with press passes can get onto the show floor um, at 9 o'clock whereas everyone else can get in at 10 which gives you basically one chance to go and see something that you didn't have a chance to see the day before <laughs> some really annoying child playing with some sort of squeaky wheel in the background uh, <laughs> uh, sorry about that um, <laughs> very very squeaky anyway we so we missed uh, World of, um, Rainbow Six Siege uh, on Wednesday so we decided to go and try and see that first thing on Thursday so that's what we did um, it was playable on it was playable on both PC and Xbox and we got pushed into the PC queue unfortunately um, however the PC I was at also had an Xbox controller plugged in so they let me 
um, so a lot of games no announcement okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're just trolling us yeah oh, there we go that's the plane that's the plane I can't understand what she's saying, and ironically. Okay, go. Um, and then you went through some of the different. No, bing bong. Do we need to go? Sure. Yeah. Where? Um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move on because our flight's been called. Uh, we'll finish this in a little while.